Hello and a very warm welcome to the very first episode of the NEDPRO Global Centre's new podcast. For those of you who don't know, the NEDPRO Global Centre is an international and interdisciplinary think tank anchored in Cambridge in the UK. My name is James and I'm a member of the leadership group within our Global Innovation Panel. Now, the aim of this podcast is to showcase some of the work that we're doing by speaking to some of our members. We'll speak about research, projects, events and all things nutrition with people from various backgrounds and disciplines within nutrition and nutrition science. If you are interested in anything that is discussed then please do let us know, either by getting in touch through our social media channels where we can be found at NEDPRO, that's N-N-E-D-P-R-O, on Twitter, Facebook and LinkedIn, or via our website which is www.nedpro.org.uk. In this first episode I spoke with Dr. Luke Buckner. Luke is another member of the Global Innovation Panel who in his non-NEDPRO time is an NHS junior doctor. Just before Christmas time Luke attended the Insight Government meeting titled Raising Hospital Food and Nutrition Standards Across the NHS Forum and we spoke about NEDPRO's role in developing such standards, NEDPRO's role in that meeting and some takeaway points more generally. Okay, so um, a very warm welcome, um, Dr. Luke Buckner. Um, so Luke is a member of the NEDPRO Global Innovation Panel. Um, Luke, would you like to do a little bit of an introduction to yourself? Sure. Hi, James, and hi, anyone listening as well. Um, as James had briefly alluded to there, I work in the NHS as a junior doctor, um, having graduated from medical school with a particular interest in nutrition. Um, I've taken intercalated opportunities to go get a degree from King's, uh, from which when I returned, I, I realized there was quite a lack of education around the topic and therefore got in touch with NEDPRO and have worked with them quite closely over the last few years. So my main role now is through the Global Innovation Panel, working as deputy co-lead with James and through the two main projects I'm involved with, within is the uh, mobile teaching kitchens out in India. So I act as sort of India-UK liaison there and also through our NetHelp project, which is what we're hopefully going to briefly discuss today and where we've been involved with the Inside Government Review. Yeah, fantastic. Um, and I should probably know this, but out of interest, when you, you said that you did that intercalated degree at King's College, did you just kind of reach out to NetPro yourself, Luke, to kind of get in touch with, with us and I suppose start a bit of work or was it something that through um through the degree itself that you that you kind of got in touch with us or how did that come about uh, yeah that's actually quite an interesting story so um did my one year of nutrition so that came about from sort of a personal interest in nutrition quite quite enjoyed the gym at that time and was focused okay yeah it's, it's kind of a way a lot of people get into it yeah exactly as a young young guy that quite often probably is a point of focus and sport and things like that um but then realized we weren't getting any teaching at medical school about it so wanted to uh, focus on the health aspects of diet and nutrition as well. So went and did a year study at King's College London, um, which was really good, but extremely crammed in, obviously learning that amount of information in a year. Just one year, yeah, of course. Um, and was heavily scientific, obviously, as a BSc. So then going back to medical school was still lacking that sort of translation of knowledge from science to patients. Um, yeah. Started reaching out and actually Brighton, had very recently to that point, maybe even when I was away, had appointed Elaine McEninch, who um, is in the Global Innovation Panel herself, and again, a highly involved member of both NEDPRO, but other important organizations like Culinary Medicine and Erin. Um, she was in Brighton working at my medical school, which is fairly small, Brighton and Sussex, and 
we came back as sort of two relatively interested parties. There was another student flow as well. Um, and we all kind of just got in touch and said we wanted to do something. So we set up a small little nutrition society at Brighton to do some extracurricular educational events. And Elaine said, oh, by the way, have you heard of this group, NEDPRO? Okay. At the time, I don't think I put two and two together, but I was applying for um, a, a GP placement and I was looking for sort of independent, nutritionally qualified GPs, which is... Mm-hmm group and was sort of reaching out and I found a letter which I think NEDPRO had written to the government or something um, about some sort of concern so I'd emailed Shimon separately so when Elaine had mentioned NEDPRO we kind of then linked it all up together and realized it all linked up yeah exactly yeah it was sort of all happened at once just on return to Brighton there was quite a few different interested people starting to talk about it and I think that momentum has carried through the last couple of years it's really sort of carried through and it's become um, a realization that we need to start doing something in the healthcare. That's fantastic. And I think that's, um, as someone who did, uh, not as an intercalated degree, but as, as my primary undergraduate degree in nutrition science as well, I think that is challenge. the challenge sometimes is you think you're going in and learning about human health and how to apply it to healthcare and all that kind of thing. Whereas, like you say, it is very obviously scientific based and sort of, um, what do we say, the fundamentals of the science behind it rather than always the human application of it so um so yeah that no that, that's really interesting and like i said i probably should have known that previously but um but never actually really uh, talked about that so um luke obviously the reason or well the reason we are speaking to you is um just before christmas time i know you attended event um an event by organized by inside government um, and that was about raising hospital food um, and nutrition standards across the nhs so i suppose first of all conference or the meeting and um what kind of things did you did you get from it or what kind of things did you um, happen at the conference did you experience there um yeah so it was was a really good event i think it was a busy day for nepro with i think three events going on at the same time um i caught up with elaine on the day she was talking to gps um about sort of diabetic um advice around dieting and had a productive day up there with a group of them listening to her and a number of other speakers. And then Shimon and I were down at the Inside Government Review in London. And essentially it was a gathering of a number of different key people from um, lots of different backgrounds around the UK who had a wide range of expertise looking at um, how we can raise food and nutrition standards across the NHS, really. I think that's something patients obviously talk about quite a lot is the quality. Mm -hmm food um, and it's a real good example of where we can uh, go on to hopefully prove prove a point and show an example of where good food can be delivered in uh, an institution. It doesn't come without huge barriers and challenges obviously but it was really the whole day was about how do we give good quality but also tasty food um, that's targeting all these different individual groups and the needs that they have and so yeah it was was a really good day with a, a wide range of people and I'm sure we'll go over a few of the different points about um, bits that I've taken away, um, as well as hopefully what we've contributed as NEDPRO to that day. Um, I think overall it's something that we we came together at the end and felt went really well. Absolutely. And I, I suppose it's one of those things that a lot of people, you know, everyone probably takes for granted, you know, feeding in hospitals and eating in hospitals, because I suppose 
if you or a relative or a friend or anybody else is in hospital, you, you tend to think of it as, well, they're there, they're getting medicine and they're getting treatment from doctors and nurses and everybody else. But actually, they're still being fed, you know, three square meals a day plus snacks sometimes if, the, if that's needed or, you know, people might have other um you know again relatives and things bringing food into them it's it's kind of one of those things that obviously goes on in the hospital all the time every day 365 days a year but i i, I imagine a lot of people have never thought about it you know and it's one of those i suppose like you, you mentioned not without challenges within an institution as big as a hospital and then obviously across the nhs as an even bigger institution or a, a, an overarching framework it's obviously something that is quite a challenge um to do like you said both in terms of the quality of the food but also the the taste, you know. I mean, if you, with the best will in the world, produce pre, best will in the world, um, producing food for that number of patients, especially in some of the bigger hospitals, it's just very hard to to make food tasty and also appetizing and um to look nice and everything that that plays a part in people's um consumption and especially bearing in mind that those people, by be- the definition of being in hospital, are in some way unwell or ill or you know, after surgery or whatever it might be. Um, so I suppose the, the the obvious question is why were you there or why were NEDPRO represented at this and, and what did we sort of, or you you and Shimon, who we keep mentioning as well, Shimon, for anyone who isn't um, aware, is is the executive director and chairperson of the, the NEDPRO Global Centre. Um, what what did you two get up to and I suppose what were you contributing to, to the day, Luke? Yeah, sure. Um, so I think Shimon was just to identify his role. He was chairing the whole day, actually, so he played a really key key part to keeping the day and the conversation going throughout. Um, so he obviously does that as well as I'm sure you're aware. And again, on this day, I think it was really nice to have him there, linking it back to the patient all the time, as well as talking about the infrastructure behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, I think why we were asked to be there really was that uh, we, we were talking about our NetHelp project, which is largely focused on the sort of real clinical end of... Um, and sorry, Luke, to cut across you, but what does NetHelp actually stand for, for people who aren't aware? Yeah, it's the Nutrition Education Policy for Healthcare Professionals. Um, so, a bit of a mouthful. Yeah, it, so that's why NetHelp used, I think. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, essentially, what, what that's looking at really is it's a it's a phased project which initially analysed um, the UK medical professionals to see how doctors and medical students in particular, but also looking at pharmacists, nurses, and even carers and patients themselves for their views about what they want doctors um, to know about nutrition and what they should be discussing. Mm-hmm. And then we rolled out into some roadshows where we went across the country. And I think the last one's actually tomorrow in York. Um, so we'll probably be getting updates on the social media from that as well. And that's obviously just thinking about when we release the podcast, but that would be, I, I was, ju- I was just thinking, so t- tomorrow being Sunday, the 12th of January. So I suppose that, 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 th- thanks for Luke for giving me a little bit of an incentive to get this done and uh, edited and everything else before, um, sooner rather than later so that it's not, you know, released two months later, but go on, sorry. That's dated and <laughs> yeah, <it's> stamped. <laughs> uh, so last, uh, yeah, last roadshow is tomorrow. And uh, essentially that's been a pilot scheme where we've created a half day workshop in most cases um, to roll out across different foundation schools. We've given it to GPs um, and we were hoping, I, I'm not sure if it's still going to be possible, but a webinar to 
medical students. It's loads of different methods of getting this information out. Mm -hmm. uh, we wanted to trial that, see what worked, get some feedback, and ultimately create a package to roll out to hopefully increase the knowledge of junior doctors and medical students around the country. Bringing that back to the inside government, we were largely speaking to people that were involved in catering, both mm -hmm. as hospital suppliers and um, also people uh, looking for sort of national sort of level of food uh, distribution, but then also looking at the likes of Appetito CEO was there, uh, Paul Freestone, and he he runs Wiltshire Farm Foods and Appetito in the UK and Canada, I believe. And so we were linking in lots of food provision groups as well as um, people at hospital to see what their views were. So I guess what we brought more. I'm sorry, Lou. Can I can I just kind of clarify something as well. So Appetito and Wilshire Farms, that you, the, the two of those that you mentioned, am I right in saying that they are companies who provide catering for hospitals that aren't providing or that aren't um, doing the catering on site themselves, that these are sort of outsourced meals? Yeah, yeah. So right. they provide food, um, which I think largely comes in sort of, uh, sort of frozen state um, and then it's <laughs> heated on premises. And yes, I think it's the largest supplier to NHS hospitals, Appetito. Okay. Said. Um, so yeah, it's nice to have their their insights as well to what they find as a company that obviously needs to make profit from this, but also um, wants to have high quality products. And they pride themselves on that from what uh, Paul was saying throughout his talk. So what, what I guess we had there was someone from provision to then the hospital um, suppliers wanting to buy that provision um, to then caterers themselves needing to know how to get that out to patients and then what Shimon and myself I guess were trying to bring as well as there were other dietitians and people speaking as well was how do we then get that food which is hopefully in an ideal world pr produced in a healthy and tasty way but then you still mm -hmm. got that into the patient's digestive system so there's all these little steps from uh, farm to mouth essentially that we need to address and it was about bringing that all together in this uh, review. I think it's a really you use sort of an interesting phrase like farm to mouth because I think we've we've gotten quite used to or at least people I suppose working within food and nutrition and and healthcare talking you know or people talking about food generally talking about farm to fork and I suppose the environmental concerns and all that kind of thing but actually when it comes to hospital food and I suppose food generally for health it's not necessarily just to the fork because I know myself um, training as a dietitian, you see um, you see a lot of plates coming back after lunch times and meal times, and you know there could be half or three quarters of the meal left. So actually, just getting it to the fork and getting it to the plate isn't always enough. You always you actually have to get it to the to the patient's mouth and, like you said, into their into their system. Um, I suppose along along those lines, then did you have during this um, this meeting? Did you have any patient representation or a sort of patient's voice um, at, the, at the meeting? No, actually, we did not. And I think that probably would have been a nice um, nice thing to include. We, we didn't. Um, that's a really good point, actually, James. Well, you see, I, I suppose it's, it's, I was just thinking because obviously, you know, if you're, if you're in hospital for a couple of days, it's probably not that big an issue. And it's probably not something that you possibly don't even really think about because your meals are just provided to you and you, you know, you get them three times a day. And like I said, snacks and whatever else. But, you know, sometimes you, you do come across patients who've been in hospital for um, weeks or possibly even months. And I know I've had patients myself and they've they've you know, they've gone through the regular uh, menu. They've tried the 
um, particular, even even though they may be maybe not um, of a particular religious background, they try the particular religious or ethnic um, menus and things just because they are having the same food over and over and the same sort of menus to, to get a little bit of variety. So it might be nice um, as well to, to hear a patient's perspective, particularly someone who has either spent a long stint in hospital or somebody who's kind of been in and out in hospital for, for whatever reason, um, just to see again how, how it's affected them, you know. Now that you're saying that, actually, we did have a keynote talk from Lord uh, Nick Rea, who, uh, Rea, sorry, who uh, was just giving us a talk on his, so he's a past doctor and he's got a strong interest in nutrition and diet. Um, and he's actually vice chair of the all party parliamentary food and health forum. Again, another mouthful. We seem to like that in. I was going to uh, say, yeah. yeah. Um, and he was talking about his uh, got a long career in the field but then obviously obviously as you grow older he had his own health issues and was in hospital for a long time and he was talking about his experience actually mm. of, um he was using the example of toast and how i think health and safety now in the hospitals doesn't allow toast to be made on the wards uh, okay. <laughs> how his toast would come up soggy every day from the kitchen and just his frustration with that and I, I do remember now his uh, patient story coming through but i i completely agree I think better patient representation would have been a, a useful thing there in that day but essentially what I think this was feeding back to is the opening talk the morning sort of keynote talk was from uh, Philip Shelley who's chairing the NHS food review and mm -hmm. um, I think what he we spoke sort of informally afterwards and he said that there was a lot of take-home points from both what we had shared at NEDPRO but also the whole day that he was taking away and I think that's ultimately what we were there to do is to discuss and bring an aspect of that to a big large review who I'm sure and I really hope has got patient representation in there. Yeah and that that's exactly it I mean like the you know these days and these sort of meetings and consensus meetings and whatever else you want to call them I suppose they're only really as good and as useful as the the message that comes away after them and the the, the you know even people like yourself and Shimon and whoever whoever else leaves thinking okay there is something being done or or like you said here's something we can do you know you, you probably pick up bits and pieces from from everybody and i suppose having the you, people like yourself from from a, a medical background and a healthcare background and then people from you know the more business or i suppose um food production and um, provision side of things presumably you're all going to be teaching each other things and learning from each other as well so hopefully um there's a lot of takeaway from that and uh and like you said does does go on into that review then um so i suppose putting ned pro slightly to the side then like just just personally as uh you know someone who's working as a doctor in the nhs um what would you say is i suppose your biggest takeaway from it or something that you learned you know what i mean uh, in terms of how food is um viewed in the nhs or how it's provided or how it's produced or anything what would you say is the thing or things that that you learned on the day or that you take away that may kind of influence your practice or at least your line of thinking um in practice yeah um i think so my discussion largely was a talk it's about an hour long and it was used as a discussion panel so i think a lot of my take take home points came from that mm -hmm. um, kind of tying together a lot of the other talks that happened throughout the day and morning. Um, so there, there was a wide number. I think for my personal reflection on the day, I was actually very surprised at how little I'd ever thought about how difficult it is to provide good food. And I always thought it was yes. probably down to something like politics and how much money 
they get given. And I think that probably does play a, a significant part. But realistically, it is also just a logistical nightmare. Um, they, they've got to, like you said, no, no restaurant that I know can supply that much food at exactly the same time as the other yeah. thing. It's not trickled throughout the day. It's all sent out at, say, eight o'clock in the morning. Um, they've got to provide all of that for a whole hospital in one city. And, and again, to people who are unwell and to people who, you know, like that in the morning, some of them are asleep or some of them might be, um, you know, just need assistance eating. And, and the whole, again, the whole operation, the logistics of it, like you said, it's just, it's amazing. Actually, when you think about it, it's amazing that, that it is done that many times a day in that many hospitals across the country, you know. Yeah, no, exactly. So that was a, a personal sort of point that I was just thinking. We've I always think of myself as a relatively... A multidisciplinary team kind of guy and sort of try and interact with the dietitians on the ward who often sort of otherwise come in and see their patient and then you've got to sort of pick their notes up I try and actually talk to them and bring them in and the same with anyone else that comes into the ward so I always think of myself as something like that and I'd completely neglected to think of the fact of the caterers downstairs and in the kitchen and um, that was quite an opening sort of personal reflection where I was just realized no matter how much we teach the doctors to give good advice I think hospital for me is probably my second point tying into this now is a really good time to, um, if we can, give people good food and show them uh, what we can be doing. Mm. Um, so using it as a sort of an intervention. I know often these people at this time will be ill and um, it might not be the best time to be giving them complex dietary advice, but you can do simple starts and just tick off one little box which they can take home and try to take forward whilst they await further things. And that actually tied in quite nicely with the sort of work we do out in India with the mobile teaching kitchens and yes. actually showing people hands-on. If a doctor can just have some basic advice and just sit at the end of the bed and say, well, let's let's order some food for tomorrow then and I'll tell you what things you should or should not be really picking if you're in your condition. If you're undernourished, let's, let's look at some ways of fortifying it. Why don't you put some butter in your mashed potato or something like that? Um, so a small things that you can then just what you were saying, give them a sort of hint to take home. Little bits of dietary advice. I mean, the thing is, like you said, if somebody is unwell and they're ill or they're in hospital, whatever it is, they, it mightn't be the best time to give them, like you said, complex dietary advice. But it's never a bad time to even ask a question, you know, because I, I again, I've been lucky. I'm on placement at the moment um, training to be a dietitian. And it's this it's always the simple things that make you kind of stop and take note and you know, really think about the complexity in in feeding someone and somebody eating and somebody eating enough to be healthy. Because for me, I know something that comes up time and time again, particularly well, obviously with with older patients, is small things like if they're if they're in a bed where you know they maybe have limited mobility or they're a little they're they're frail, they're not um you know even in in many cases not sort of strong enough to sit up in the bed. Well, if their meal is placed on a table which is without out of reach. You know, it's something so simple like that, just making sure that this, somebody can actually reach their meal or that somebody is, you know, physically able to use a knife and fork or that, you know, um, if somebody has dentures that they're properly fitting. Because if somebody loses weight, um, you know, if they're malnourished or maybe not even to the point of malnourishment, but if they have lost weight, if their dentures don't fit as well, then, you know, it's, it's harder to eat. It might be uncomfortable. There might be pain. Um, that then all leads into a cycle of eating less, which causes more weight loss. And I think, you know, if the simplest intervention is a doctor or a dietitian or 
you know, anybody else on the ward just saying, you know, have, have you picked out what you're having for your lunch today? You know, what, what kind of things do you like? You know, um, would, you know, if you're finding trouble chewing or whatever it might be, here's some option that might work for you. And I think it's, it's really encouraging, I suppose, as a dietitian or training to be one, at least that's something that I probably am being trained to do and, and would, would do, but it's really encouraging to think that there are um, junior doctors thinking that way as well. And that's obviously only going to trickle down to, um, to the to medical students as well because as they come up through the ranks they see you know people like yourself setting that example and actually just making nutrition everybody's business because i think at times in in hospitals maybe you know for for um i don't mean because it's left behind but because everybody's busy and everybody's doing their own job um maybe everybody doesn't realize that it is their business but actually you know your patients need to eat um so i think it is like i say really encouraging that you're thinking that way so um so yeah you were talking about the technology then being your yeah, your third kind of takeaway with what you're saying essentially that you can put food in front of people but if, if it's not actually ingested and eaten then there's no point and it was professor janet cade who's developed this app essentially which will um break down how much of a nutrient uh people are getting so it breaks down macro and micronutrients um and it's something that i could see being used in hospital i think currently You've probably had frustrations with it yourself. You get food charts where it just says they ate half a meal um, mm. and uh, juice or something like that. And it's really hard to actually gauge what someone's eating. You get very vague statements, whereas this would... Well, you uh, see, this is it, because, again, if somebody has something like, you know, if they ate half of their shepherd's pie, you know, did they eat, you know, the mash off the top? Did they just pick away, you know, most of the meat? Did they eat, literally cut it in half and eat half of it? it you know, like you say, it doesn't actually give you that much... Um, concrete information it's hard to then estimate energy intake not to mind minerals you know so it is it is so difficult is that was hoping to really support um and i think that would then be able to flag up that this person's calorie intake over the last few days has been low um they're not really eating much protein and things like this and you just be able to see what part of their diet they need to focus on a bit more Fantastic. Um, just give you yeah it's a really nice idea and i think they're also looking to use it for training for student doctors and junior doctors. Oh, what's, what's it called, Luke? Do you know? Do you have the name of it? Oh, I don't know the name off the top of my head. Um, right. And is, is it something that's sort of being developed or being used in 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 isolation at the moment? It's not something that's available widespread stage at the moment. So I think there's research being done into it to obviously give okay. it a uh, before it can then actually be used in the healthcare system. But um, no, it sounded again. This is one of those events where you've got so many fantastic things and people around you. It's all it's all going on and chatting to Janet. It was one of the things that stood out to me for sure. Is this app sounded like something that I think technology in the NHS is slowly improving. Um, this could be one thing that took diet in particular further forward. And that actually, yeah. we've talked about um, within NetPel possibly more more than NedPro itself. But having again using technology to pass these things on to the community. And yes, definitely. Stop at the hospital. It, it needs to be passed on to the community team. So everyone that's in hospital gets a must score. And actually, one of the talkers, um, Professor Elia, was one of the creators of the must score there. Um, okay. Uh, interesting in itself. But everyone gets a must score. And I think that information probably for me should be relayed to the community so that they don't have to rescreen um, completely independently and they would have a bit of a knowledge and insight as to those in their GP practice say that are at risk. And I think at Basingstoke in particular in my hospital, we use electronic discharge summaries. 
Um, okay. so that information could just be automatically added on and there could be a box where you have to just put one or two simple messages. So um, we struggled with fortifying a food and ended up using all nutritional supplements. And that could be something that the GP then reads and can sort of address in the community and see when their illness settles, maybe they then could actually fortify the food and um, take those supplements sort of away slowly as they get further calorie intake to this population. So it's just passing on messages and it came up actually in our initial pilot uh, presentation up in Glasgow at the BMJ conference we presented at where there was a GP from New Zealand who talked about a transfer of care rather than a discharge um, which I think is a, a nicer term of putting it. It's it's yeah it's funny sometimes you know I suppose in all walks of life but particularly in healthcare the semantics actually make a big difference because yeah okay discharge of care transfer of care it's the same thing really you know you're discharged to the community is a thing that we always talk about but actually the like you say that the care doesn't stop once they've been discharged it, so it is just transferring it to somebody else or to to the focus of somebody else which is um quite like that actually i think i might start using that myself and might nick that and make it my own um but but that's fantastic so it, it's it's great to like I say, that there is takeaway for NedPro and for us and for the work that we're doing, but also, um, you know, as as uh, as an individual for your own reflective practice and that that you've you got some takeaway points um from the conference as well or from the meeting, um. So Luke, what's what's next in terms of NedPro? Am I right in saying you're you're off to India again soon? Uh yeah, off to well, fingers crossed. This is one of the other fun parts. Of the NHS is. <laughs> leave it's not easy but um after swapping some shifts and putting the application in i believe i'm about 90 95 percent sure that i'll be going to india at the end of the month okay then there's a delegation otherwise going out there so um end of january we're doing a, essentially seven days of work across kolkata delhi and punjab i believe as well as um trying to move on some of the mobile teaching kitchens in a workshop to um, Arisha and Essentially, the, the project's going strength to strength out there. It's uh, it's reached a point where the Kolkata base has now turned into a micro-enterprise model. So this kitchen, which was initially to educate the mothers and the slum-dwelling sort of community, has now turned into an opportunity for them to distribute their education to other people in the city and also sell food, so bringing money back into the slum. And it's now been set up as a cooperative so it'd be really good to pop out there again if I can get the time which hopefully I can and see how it's doing it sounds like it's relatively self-sustaining now they're selling approximately sort of 50 meals a day um, oh. between sort of three or four people I believe in the van and distributing healthcare information at the same time so it's amazing it's done really well in Kolkata it's established now in Punjab um, in Cordia College and we're now looking at other spots that it could roll out to and ultimately India is not the limit and we're looking globally that this could work in places such as Brazil and China for instance where we're starting to establish networks but also the UK so uh, recently had a talk with some people about setting it up in the UK and I think that's really exciting times. It is and I think especially with the way that, that we work at NedPro where you know we're, we're based in Cambridge and I suppose a lot of our um, people are based here in the UK and, and then we do some some work abroad as well. We, you know, we tend to bring work from the UK abroad, but actually be really nice to be bringing some of the work that we do in India, for example, back to the UK and implementing it here and see, seeing how that might work as well. 
so that all sounds fantastic. I um I, I hope that we can kind of link in with um the, the delegation and hopefully you'll be on that delegation um for a bit of a podcast in a couple of weeks' time. But um I think that's pretty much it for today, Luke. So thank you very much for um giving me a little bit of your time on a Saturday evening. Um especially thank you for for being the first uh, guest on the Ned Pro podcast. I'm sure you're very honored. Um and hopefully much like the the India network, this uh, the podcast will go from strength to strength as well. Yeah, looking forward to listening. Cheers. Thanks, Luke. Thanks, James.